The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our real estate agent in the state of Florida. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buck fans, welcome in to another episode, another winning episode of the No Quarter Given podcast. Our Buccaneers 2-0 after a 27-17 victory over the Chicago Bears at the home opener at Raymond James Stadium. I'm your host, Jason, along with Mr. Peter Blake. Welcome in, Peter. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Well, I got to tell you, I'm feeling old now. Why is that? The last Friday was for me. Your birthday. Happy birthday. How old are you? 60, 70? Man, I'm a, I'm a ha- I'm like Barry Switzer in the Sooners used to say I'm half a hundred, man. Can you believe that? 50 years old, man. I'm trying to catch up to Paul Stewart. 50. Yeah, I'm telling you. You look good for 50, man. Yeah. We were supposed to go out and uh, <laughs> we we're supposed to do this and do that. We never got a chance to do it. We're too busy. We're always doing this and doing that. I know you take care of it for me with your little Monday night episodes at the patio. I know you're, you're styling and profiling you and JP Peterson. Got to mention to the folks, uh, Peter Blake is uh, the co-host of the JP Peterson show, as well as the host of the sports web. So lots of stuff going on in Peter Blake's world. And uh, so congratulations on all that good stuff. Everything going good on that. Everything is going great. So I'm trying not to ruin the show. I'm trying not to talk over him. You know, I'm being a co-host to you being a co-host to him. And then I host my own show. And then I'm credentialed with USF on Saturdays, and I'm doing a post uh, game there in the press box. And then I'm on the field the Sunday, trying not to melt. I mean, it's been amazing. It's been busy. I love it. It's football season. Let's go. Let's go. 2-0 and Bucks. Yeah. Give the audience a little sense of on the field how hot it was. There was a lot of talk about the heat being a factor in the game last week. Give the audience a little sense of how hot it was. Even I know you were on the field post game at 4.30, whatever time it was. But yeah. even then, talk about how hot it was in the state, in the building. Well, you know, the biggest one for me was finding a plug uh, that was at the 40-yard <laughs> line. I had no idea. I mean, you should know that. You would think, you know, all the equipment that's plugged into the stadium, they would have plugs. So you don't have to bring anything out there. But I felt like it was going to melt. Like it was over 100 degrees. I had to sit out there for 30 minutes, hook all this equipment up. My laptop hated me that day, so it kept on changing settings and doing all this weird stuff. But finally we got it done, but it was just so hot. And it was so hot. I don't know how the broadcasters do this, but when they're sweating, you're sweating so much, you're not wearing a hat. The sweat goes into your eyes, so you can watch the broadcast. I'm actually trying to wipe out my eyes, trying to host, hold the mic, look professional, and I'm like, Sweat is burning my eyes out right now. What is going on here? Can somebody turn down the air? Or I mean, it's just it, it was so freaking hot. And I can't imagine what those uh, players out there are going through, especially the defenses. I mean, and it was definitely a fact. It was definitely a factor in the game. The Buccaneers, you know, the whole first half of this game, as we start going through the game a little bit, 
the whole first half of the game seemed like the Buccaneers were on the field with their offense. I mean, they dominated time of possession, long drives. They stagnated a little bit in the red zone, but again, the, the accumulation of plays on the field really took its toll. Bucks won the time of possession 36-24, so that defense for Chicago, again, those guys aren't used to the heat and humidity of Tampa like it is in Chicago, so I think that part of it played a real factor in the game. And the big-time key was, uh, you, you talk about conditioning, you lose both of your starting safeties and Eddie Jackson, who I yep. don't know if he was there on Saturday watching you know, whatever that was, Alabama versus USF, uh, just a debacle when it comes to quarterback play. But he was out <laughs> of the game with a foot injury, and then you yep. had Brisker, who's one of their top safeties, and supposedly uh, he was dealing with an illness. Maybe the night before he was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be. He was out the majority of the game. So right there... There's your advantage, and of course, who takes advantage of it? None other than Mr. Mike Evans with all that yak there, 70-yard play. We haven't seen that from Mike. It's good to see it. Now, he's not a fast guy because more <laughs> likely he would have scored on that if he was. But again, it's nice to see him once again explode for this Buccaneer offense. Mike Evans goes for six catches for 171 in a TD. And speaking of yakking, looks like he yet did a little yakking of his own on the sideline post that long 70-yard run. I right. thought I, they showed a clip on TV with that he had some issues on the sideline where the heat got got a little him too. You saw the heavy legs as he was trying to go to the end zone. It got run down about the 10-yard line. But great game by Evans. Again, uh, highlights of statistically, Baker Mayfield, 26 of 34 for 317 and a touchdown. Solid effort, Rashad White, 17 for 73 and a touchdown. Third down conversions, 8 for 15 on third down, which has been a hallmark for this Buccaneer team from about halftime of, the, of game one through this the, through all of uh, this game. So, And the other two key stats, no turnovers on offense. They're plus five in the turnover department through two weeks and only one sack allowed through two games with that offensive line. Your and thoughts? I was, I was reading this somewhere. It's the first time in franchise history the Bucs have started out the year with no interceptions. I can't believe that statistic. That's amazing in itself. And, of course, that was the big-time question with Mayfield coming in. You know, the decision-making, could he cut down on it? He's been able to. The offensive line was the other question. I think they had some pressure on Baker. Baker did a great job of escaping the pocket. Yep. Avoiding those sacks and making some Patrick Mahomes type of throws. Where has that been? That's what you got now. That's one of the facets in this offense you got with Mr. Baker Mayfield. And yes, it was baking on the field, but Baker was baking in that offense. And the defense had six sacks, two interceptions. Shaq Barrett, obviously, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Christian Izian with his second interception in two weeks. Obviously, Shaq scored a touchdown, so the Buccaneers scored on defense. I really, I mean, just the, you know, from the defensive side of things, the front four is doing a great job, that pressure package. Joe Shoyinka with another, another couple big impact plays, sack and a couple tackles for loss. You got Shaq, you got Vita Vea doing his thing in the middle. The depth that they're being able to run through that front, that front seven has been impressive so far. Yeah, six sacks uh, led by Vita Vea there. You had Joe Tryon, Shyanka, but Vea in that middle really takes the pressure off of those outside rushers. And this is what you expected when you drafted this kid just a couple of years ago, 32 uh, overall in that first round, you wanted him to finish plays, and he definitely did that against Justin Fields. And by the way, that pressure was getting to Fields on Sunday to a point of where he wasn't trusting his progressions and he wasn't trusting what he was seeing on the field because if he did, he would have had some open wide receivers. Of course, Carlton Davis out. Jamel Dean did a good job. There was some big plays uh, early on in the game from D.J. Moore. That was a little bit scary, but Fields, 
if he just goes through his progressions like he's supposed to. I don't think he's very good. He's, he's, he, he, I don't think I don't think he's. I mean, I just don't think he's able to grasp the offense and have the mental discipline to go through the progressions. Right, and again, he was talking about in his press conference how he feels like he's robot robotic. He has to get back to his play. I don't know what that is, but when you have open wide receivers, and they were saying they had a statistic out there that he had the most open wide receivers and he's not hitting them. That's on Justin Fields. That's not on the offensive coordinator. That's not on the offensive line. That's on Fields. He has to take responsibility for that. That's not on coaching. He's just not a very natural throw of the ball. The no. ball looks like he labors to even throw the swing routes. I mean, no. he threw a couple of swing routes in the dirt. I mean, just a couple in routes that were just one. I mean, just he's just not a. He's just too much relying on his legs because that's what he's been able to do his whole life, his career in high school and, and at Ohio State. He's just not where he needs to be in year three and. That that could spell doom for him in Chicago. Because remember, they had the number one pick. They could have taken Bryce Young or somebody they wanted to. They also that could be doom for that coaching staff in Chicago as well. You saw the the press conference that we're recording this Wednesday night. He spoke to the media Wednesday, kind of killing the coaches a little bit. Then he retracted it, and you know Chicago is in a full nightmare up there in Chicago. Defensive coordinator resigned because of health problems. There's a crazy. Yeah, there wasn't no health. That ain't no health problems, brother. That's something. Far uh, more, far more scandalous than health problems. I can promise I, you that. I hope it's health problems because the story that's out there is pretty <laughs> crazy in itself, and it's sad and it's sick if it is true. But you're exactly right. Right now, it's it's a red alert with the Chicago Bears, and look at all the draft capital. Look at all the resources uh, they you know, they tried to invest around Fields and that defense, and it just has not worked out. It has been a complete and total disaster let's talk about the kind of the, the red zone issues in your view from being up in the press box watching the game did you see anything glaring of what was causing some of the red zone issues with the bucks in the first half a little bit better they just they get they between the 20s they were moving the ball great when they got to the 20 a little bit bogged down a little bit more less space obviously to, to operate what your thoughts yeah i think that's what it comes down to penalty situation you get five yards so you get backed up and then of course you miss some throws baker missed some throws he had a wide open uh chris godwin in the end zone he misses them those are the kind of throws you got to hit uh you got a guy in the end zone you got to hit that throw so the red zone problems for me come down to just some middle mistakes. Um, he was fortunate that he didn't throw an interception early on in the game. But with the red zone, you know, it just comes down to some fine tuning. I think they'll get it together. And you had a block field goal on special teams, which was not great early in that game. Right. But though, though, I will say Jake Camarda, who was named special teams player of the week, had a great like, game punting uh, the ball. You know, he, you know, he recovered the block field goal. And to me, one of the key plays in the game was when Baker recovered a fumble by David Wells. The Bucks were in scoring position. What they hit, hits Wells on a little dump off for five or six yards. Wells get hits, fumbles. The ball trickles back into the backfield. And guess who's in the middle of that pile jumping on the ball? One Baker Mayfield. And that's the reason why that locker room loves him because he's going all out. He's doing everything he needs to do uh, to be the leader of this team. And he's assumed to be the leader of this team, especially with the type of play like that. And you're right, the punk god. 72 yards in the air. I get it. It's in the end zone. Uh, yep. Special teams player of the week. Uh, so good for him. And uh, he's doing some great things for this team. And it's important. You know, we, we kind of laugh and joke about the punter and the kicker. But those type of things are important. All three phases of the, the game. old position. Yes. And that is what is giving you the advantage for your defense.
And what I continue to like out of the Buccaneers, low penalty counts. And they're not jumping off sides. We're not holding. We're not having illegal contact on the DBs. We're really solid by the by both sides of the ball in the penalty department. 67, a couple times, it kind of gave me flashbacks of Kenyatta Walker, especially when he played against Julius Peppers. He had a couple penalties there. Got to clean that up, but you're exactly right. Not an overwhelming penalty situation, especially like it was last year at critical times with the Human turnstile himself, Donovan Smith. <laughs> Who's now in Kansas City. Do, By do, the way, do, did you see him catch that ball and just stand there like he was just uh, you know. block? I mean Say what you want. Donovan had a good career with the Bucks. The last year or so wasn't great, but he had a pretty we he had a pretty good seven or eight years as a yeah. left tackle. But but I I get your point. All right. Um, so Buccaneers come out of halftime. The game was, you know, they're up twice. What was this halftime score? Was it 13 to 7? It's like 13 to I think yeah, it was like I'm trying to remember it. Now. It's like 13 to 10 or something. Okay. Like so yeah. the but the Bucks come out, you know, again, the, the methodical more uh, long drives in the second half. They get to up they get up 20 to 10. Uh give Fields credit. He fit a ball in tight to uh to Claypool on a on a ball on, on the replay. Man, I'm I'm telling you, Winfield is literally two inches away with his fingertips from either intercepting it or, or knocking the ball away. So give give Fields credit on the on the throw there uh to, to make it 20 to 17. The Bucks drive down again, trying to put the game away. They end up stalling. They punt the ball. And again, credit to the Bucks. They pin the to pin the Bears inside the inside the I think seven, eight yard line, something like that. A false start, I believe, took him back half the distance to the goal. And then you have the fateful screen pass late in the game. The Bears have a chance to tie the game there late in the game. What'd you think of uh first of all, not a great call, but what a play and what a guy to make the play in Shaq Barrett, obviously with all the things he's been through this offseason with his uh his first of all, his physical recovery from the Achilles and then the off the field issues with with his family, with his young daughter passing away in the pool accident. Uh what, what a moment for Shaq Barrett to score his first ever career touchdown. I mean, you can't say enough about Shaq. You're rooting for him exactly what you said. You know, not only the injury situation, but, you know, off the field with his uh, losing his young daughter to drowning and dedicating that moment to her and dedicating the season. So you're rooting for this guy, and he's playing at a high level. I have to wonder, what is the offensive coordinator doing at that point, calling a screen pass? I mean, that is a terrible call by Luke Getze. Called no confidence in the quarterback. Obviously, or just, I mean, run the ball or something. You're trying to do a screen. You can't run it. They got no timeouts. I mean, we're under two minutes. But, yeah, I get I get you. no confidence in the quarterback. I guess not. I guess not. And I absolutely, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great moment for Shaq. Definitely. And, again, you saw the emotion. And, again, you were there talking about the eruption in the stadium when Shaq one-handed. I mean, it wasn't a hard kept ball to catch, but he did catch it one-handed. It's funny how five or six Buccaneer guys, you know, they, they bull rush him into the end zone because yeah. he was kind of st stood up at, like, the two. And then here comes the cavalry from behind to push yeah. the pile into the end zone. It's like Jalen Hurts scoring for the Philadelphia Eagles with the offensive line. The same thing happened uh, with the defensive players there. And that was a beautiful thing to see. It really was. What'd you think of the running game? Much better, much better, a little more activity out of Rashad White, 17 for 73. You had a couple carries out of Sean Tucker. I think he had eight, seven, eight touches. You had Chase Edmonds with a couple touches who ends up getting hurt. He's now going to be on IR for, for at least a month with a knee injury. So we'll see what the severity of that is moving forward. But what'd you think of the Buccaneers uh, running attack in week two? Oh, they were committed to it. They were definitely committed to it. More successful. Uh, you know, Rashad showed you some things. He definitely was decisive. He was patient still, but making some moves there, making some guys miss, breaking some tackles. That's exactly what you want 
from your bell cow runner. We know all about Tucker and the potential he has. It's a shame because Chase Edmonds, you know, had a couple of big time runs and now he's hurt. He hurt his knee. So he's out for four to six weeks. So yeah, you'll probably see Keyshawn Vaughn elevated to the active roster. Now as the number three guy. So maybe maybe he could get some carries. Maybe he could show something because of course, you know, he was kind of throwing a tantrum there uh, leaving practice and not wanting to be a part of it. Now he's going to have the opportunity. And that's why you say, you know, don't throw that tantrum Keyshawn Vaughn, get ready. Because your number may be called, knock on wood, none of these running backs get hurt, but you need at least two to three good running backs in order to run an offense in this league. You do, because of all the injury situations. One thing I did notice just by watching the game, and I've seen this first two games, when the Bucs are in a critical situation where they're going to run the ball, and again, other teams are going to know this too by watching it, but you could tell the confidence to run behind Filer and Wurst on the left side. I mean, there Filer is a road grader kind of running guy, running offensive line blocker. You can tell that's the bread and butter play is going to be behind Filer and Wurfs. And to that same point on the fourth down and one, they run outside. How bad was this Bucks offense on third and one on fourth and run running outside? They run to the right side and he gets the first down. So that was nice to see also. All right. So Buccaneers go to two and oh. Nice twenty to seventeen, uh, twenty-seven seventeen win. Oh. Uh, would you? Uh, did you? Were you in the locker room po- for the for the post game? Were you able to get down there or no? No, I was on the field. I had to set up the show. I had to set up two mics. I had to set up the laptop. You know, the the camera. I had to make every make everything you know perfect. You know, I'm like the KFC. I got the seven herbs and spices. And if you miss one of those spices, that show is not going anywhere. So I had to make sure to set it up. Wait for JP. To get out of the locker room, we did about 30, 40 minutes of post-game, and then they were trying to kick us out because they were pulling up all the tarp on the sideline. You had the mower coming by there. So, uh, yeah, Fox Sports was in there, so I wasn't, you know, trying to get in their way or do – just trying to find my way, and people were like, what are you doing over here? And I'm like, I'm doing a streaming show. How you doing? I'm Peter Blake of the Sports Web and the J.P. Peterson Show. Oh, I'm with Fox Sports. How many views do you get? Oh, it's nice to meet you from Fox Sports. Nice. Just give me a job here. Give me another job. Okay. Get me out of sales here so I don't have to do the sales job anymore. So it was kind of cool. You meet some people on the sidelines and they're like, damn, this guy's setting up a, a team. most importantly, all of all of our Buccaneer Nation wants to know. Yeah. How many plates did you have in the in the press box? At least three to four, bro. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Like it's a nice I, spread. It's a nice I, spread for an NFL game, right? Yes, it's it's a lot better spread than the one the day before. Yes, in Alabama. Now, if you like chicken wraps and uh, ham and cheese sandwiches, and okay. a cook and a cookie and an apple, cookie and an apple. Yeah, that's different. And I told you this. I told you, you did to the powers that were gonna be like this. I was disappointed. I figured USF would be a little bit more over the top with Alabama in town, but apparently you, you warned me, but that, that was not the case. No, that was not the case, but the spread was a lot better. And I kind of missed out on the chicken fingers. Cause I went, I, I wanted to go back up there to, and I went back up there to the press box to check if they had chicken fingers. Cause they do that after the game for the, the press people, there was no chicken fingers left. Did you blow in and see uh, Moose Johnson and Joe Davis from Fox? Or did you see any of the, did you I, see those guys walking through? I didn't. I did a bad thing. I actually got up late, got out there late, had to deal with traffic, and then had to deal with some other stuff. Peter, come on, bro. Come on, Peter Blake. What am I doing? Stop staying out on Dale Mabry on Saturday night. (laughs) I just went home. Get home, bro, and get some sleep. I did. I got some sleep, and I still got up late, and I still got out there. I got out there. I seen Uncle TJ hanging out there uh, in the press box, see some other guys there, and, of course, JP. So it was cool. Good times. 
All right, you listen to the BuckPower.com on the BuckPower.com podcast network. No quarter given. I'm Jason along with Peter. We're recapping Bucks 2-0 win, uh, 27-17 final of the Chicago Bears. We are going to go to Paul Stewart here in just a minute. Gonna, he's going to give us our montage of the Philadelphia Eagles. You're going to enjoy that. And post-montage, we are going to then preview the Philadelphia Eagles game, which is a Monday night prime timer at Raymond James. And remember, Buccaneer fans, there's two Monday night games this week. One of the double headers on ESPN. The Bucks game is at seven, not eight. You know, so the Bucks is the little early. This the early start. You're gonna have Buck and Aikman on the call. It's gonna be a seven o'clock game, and the game is gonna be on ABC as well as ESPN because now ABC is is picking up all the Monday night football games during the writer's strike. Did you know that, Peter Blake? I did not know that at all. In fact, I can't believe that's a 7 o'clock game. I thought it was 8-15. Yep, it's 7-15. Because the Bengals and the Rams are playing the second game. And they're staggering the start times about an hour and fifteen minutes. So the fan, but the, so the Bucks got the early game this week, seven o'clock. But we do have Troy and uh, Troy and Joe and Lisa Salters. And shout out to my guy, my guy David Moulton. He'll be in the booth with Troy, do, providing stats and such. Uh, my guy who I've had on the Powers on Sports podcast. He also works with Danielson and Nestler on CBS on Saturday. So wow. he is he's in, he's very important, by the way. So uh, my Before guy, shout out to my guy David Moulton for uh, he'll be in he'll be in the building on Monday night in Tampa. Does he have leather bound books that smell of rich mahogany? By the way, what? Yeah, you said he's an important person. You said he's an important guy. Is he is he like Anchorman? Does he have? Leather-bound books that smell the rich money. No, but he knows all the rich people. He know he knows a lot no, of people. You don't man. get the joke of Anchorman. Come on, man. Will Ferrell. I I, I I know the movie. I don't remember the line though. I, I got. Oh my admit. gosh. I'm my bad, man. You need to get out more. <laughs> no, you need to get in more. Apparently, you you're the one that needs some sleep. You need to get in more, my my man, Peter Blake. Uh, well, we're we're trying here. We're trying to get in more. That's what we're Jeez. trying. To do. Uh. My God, man. All right, folks, we're going to be back in just a minute. So we're going to go to Paul Stewart, part of BuckPower.com. Remember, you go to BuckPower.com, audio, video, stats, anything Buck-related, BuckPower.com. He just wrapped up his top 100 Buccaneers. I think Leroy Soman, number one. Derek Brooks, number two, I believe, if, if I'm if I'm mistaken on the list. But you can go find the list. You can find this podcast on BuckPower.com. If you haven't already done so, hit subscribe on your podcast platform. On Twitter, you can reach out to us at JPO Sports. Peter Blake on his Facebook page. We'd love to hear some comments about the podcast. Tell your friends if they're Buck fans about the podcast. When we tweet it out, give us a retweet, give us a like, anything, a comment. We'd love to hear from you because the more we get, the more activity we get from this podcast, the more things we're going to do for you moving forward. So, uh, Paul Stewart coming up with the Philadelphia Eagles montage. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Well, the fall football season and fall sports calendar is finally here, and there's no better place to buy your tickets, for whether it's for the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, or any sporting event in between in the, in the fall months of August through December, then TicketSmarter.com. TicketSmarter is your secondary marketplace to go for all of your sports ticket needs, whether it's the NHL coming up, Major League Baseball, college football, your favorite NFL team, whatever it is, TicketSmarter.com is the place to go. And for your first-time purchase, you will get $10 off your first $100 order. All you have to do is use the code POWERS10. Again, go to TicketSmarter.com and use the code POWERS10 to enjoy $10 off 
your first order of $100 or more. That's Ticketsmarter.com for all of your ticket needs this fall. The Bucks and the Eagles have met 16 times in the regular season, with the current standing being eight wins each. We'll get to the postseason games later. And this one will take place at Monday Night Football. Now, it's not quite as iconic as the days of Frank Gifford, Dandy Don Meredith and Hal Wood co-sell, but of course it was a Monday night game in 1982 that led to me sitting here now as the Bucks beat Miami. The Bucks hold a 14-12 and 12 record on Monday night football and 10-6 and 6 at home. The first time the Bucks and Eagles met was the opening game of the 1977 season when Tampa Bay had switched to the NFC and they played the other 13 teams in that conference spot of their schedule. They lost 13-3 in this game with the legendary Randy Why Not Why Not Hedberg starting at quarterback. In fact, their first win would not come until the 1991 season when Chris Chandler came off the bench to throw a pair of touchdown passes in the final five minutes. It was a 14-13 victory, one of only three that Richard Williamson would have as head coach that season. The 1995 season opener was a lot more memorable as it featured a debut as offensive coordinator of the Eagles of a very young John Gruden. But Trent Dilfer threw a pair of touchdown passes, half his season total, and the Bucks went on to win 21-6 in front of BuckPower.com Steve Lemack. A lot of movement again from the Mueller. Well, Trent Dilfer will throw on first down, fires downfield. Caught, Horace Copeland. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. No flags on the play, a 64-yard strike. Eric Rick. Eric Rick. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. In 2003, the NFL decided to schedule the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers on the road in Philadelphia. I guess they thought we'd be a support act to the Eagles opening a new stadium. Unfortunately, the result was just the same for Philadelphia fans. And once again, it was Joe Juravicious who was the star of the show. Eagles rush seven, and it's tipped up in the air, and Juravicious comes down with it himself for the touchdown. Joe Juravicious, who scored the other touchdown. Sapp had helped set this one up, and then Juravicious tips it to himself. And if the Eagles did not hate the Bucks enough, 2006 drove them completely over the top. Now, the Bucks were outgained by over 300 yards in this game, but thanks to that legendary NFL passing combination, Donovan McNabb to Rondé Barber for a pair of touchdowns, the Bucks were still in with the most remotest of chances as time was about to expire. Matt Bryant lined up to attempt a 62-yard field goal. Bidwell the holder, Dave Moore the snapper. It'll be low trajectory, and the Eagles are going to try to block it. Here is Dave Moore, the snap, the hole, the kick. It is good! 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 Box beat the Eagles! Matt Bryant is my hero! Unbelievable! Wow! Wow! There is! There is life in Tampa! The home Eagles! Box win the old-fashioned way with a 62-yard field goal! Say hallelujah! Hallelujah! Okay, time to look at the playoff games. We'll forget the ones in 2000, 2001, one of which was my debut presenting on British television, and we'll take you back to 1979. Brent Musburger said, you were looking live at Tampa Stadium, and the Bucks were seven-point underdogs in spite of being NFT Central Division champions. They went 80 yards on 18 plays to open the game, and Ricky Bell, 
led them on the way to the 24-17 victory. All the way. Here he goes. He's in there. Ricky Bell scores. And what an 80-yard drive by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, using up the clock, keeping the ball. Bell would end up rushing for 142 yards on 38 carries and had another score in what was a very memorable day for the Buccaneer franchise. And the most recent playoff game with the Eagles saw Buccaneers win as well, as Tom Brady led them in 2021 to a 31-0 lead and they cruised to victory with all the backups getting playing time in the second half. OK, you've waited long enough. Let's go back to the 19th of January 2003. I'll just leave it to Joe and Rondé. Tampa Bay changed the complexion of the game with one play. Looking, going over the, it's caught Jurevicius, 35 to the 40, to the 45, to the 50. Oh, the sideline, Joe, 35, 30, Jurevicius to the 20, 15, 10. He's on the back to the five-yard line. You go, Joe, you go, Joe. Hooks, 3.27 to go, McNabb dropping, it's intercepted, and the 10 to the 20. Ah, oh, you never get tired of that play, do you, Bucks fans? And it was the one that we decided was the number one play in Buccaneer history in a countdown we did last year on BuckPower.com. Now, the Bucks have won their last three games with the Eagles, scoring 100 points in the process. But it would be seen as quite an upset if they could make it four in a row. But strange things happen on Monday nights or in the early hours of Tuesday morning for us British fans. But whatever the time difference, you can read all about it on BuckPower.com. Every player, every game, everything bucks. All right, Buck fans, welcome back. No quarter given podcast. I'm Jason along with Peter. Hopefully you enjoyed Paul Stewart's uh, historical montage of the Buccaneers and Philadelphia Eagles. We've had some memorable moments over the years. I know Peter Blake. We're we're recording this on Wednesday. Peter Blake just had a uh, stimulating interview on his show, The Sports Web, with one Ron Jaworski, who's been involved in some of the Buccaneer Eagles stuff back in the late 70s, early 80s. How was your chat with Mr. Jaworski? 40 minutes. He wants to come back, and he wants his own walk-up music because he was jealous of the great Leo Haggerty having his own walk-up music. So it's always a good thing to talk to a guy who's a former Philadelphia Eagle player, of course, ESPN anal- uh, uh, analyst, analyst forever, analyst, uh, NFL matchup. And we got 40 minutes of great content there. I'm going to cut it up. But he even talked about the 1979 Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. He had some great comments there and also talked about Baker Mayfield. So. Uh, be watching for that. I'll put that on Facebook and, of course, Twitter, X, whatever the hell they call it now. I don't know. By the way, did you know Ron Jaworski owned the Philadelphia soul of the Arena yes. Football League for many years with, yes. with guess who? Who was his partner? John Bon Jovi. There you go. That a boy. Yeah, and he was actually still a better owner than A.B. Antonio Brown. Oh, God. <laughs> One thing we forgot to mention last week on the podcast that I definitely want to mention was the was the passing of Mike Williams. Mm. You know, he had, he had the former Buccaneer wide receiver out of Syracuse with I think it was a fourth round draft pick. Yep. Came onto the scene with a great rookie year. Had you know had a couple of really good years with the Buccaneers, and then he kind of faded a little bit. I don't know if he had some. I know he had some off the field stuff with some you know some I don't know, 
off the field issues he had had. But again, he had a construction accident here in the Tampa Bay area. There was it was weird. There was conflicting reports. He had passed away. Then he had, then then apparently he was he was on his way to recovery, and then apparently things kind of. Uh, went downhill again and he passed away about a week or so back. Just want to give a shout out to Mike Williams and his family. Again, a short lived career with the Buccaneers, but he had what an impact he had that one. I think it was 2010, I believe was it 2010 and uh, 2010. Yeah. 10 and six year him. It was Josh Freeman. It was Mike Williams. And it was like Eric Blunt. Raheem Morris was the coach. I mean, came out of nowhere as a fourth round pick out of Syracuse and just had a great year. And again, uh, you know, he played in the league four or five years, but I mean, good Buccaneer. And again, passed away about a week or so back. We wanted to give our condolences to the uh, Mike Williams family. Yes, absolutely. All right, Peter Blake, Monday night. Not many people a month ago would have thought 2-0 and Buccaneers. A lot of people would have thought 2-0 and Eagles coming into Monday night football. We got an opportunity here if the Buccaneers can win this game to make a statement across this league. A lot of people think the Eagles are, if not one of the top three, four teams in the whole league. Obviously, they most people think them and the 49ers and maybe Dallas are one, two, three in the NFC. This is a great opportunity for the Buccaneers home game, Monday night football to show their back. Absolutely. Show their back. And you got a tough matchup because you got Jalen Hurts, who's coming off a contract extension, can do so many things when it comes to RPO. You also have weapons on the outside and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And they also got DeAndre Swift from the Detroit Lions, which certainly seems like it's helped their running game out. Went for 175 last Thursday night against Minnesota Yeah, in his breakout performance. Yeah, and then defensively, you know, they're holding teams to 52 yards a game. Uh, The Bucs are 54 yards a game, so they're right up there with them. So kind of mirror images of defenses. You know, two hosses in the middle, as my uncle would say, Jalen Carter and, of course, Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Those Fletcher guys. Cox, very deep defensive line, very yeah. deep. Yes. Uh, you know, the thing for me that I think the matchup that everybody should look at is Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and Kate Otten versus that secondary, which is really banged up, and they got some losses there. So maybe that's a matchup you could take advantage of. But going back to that offense, it all starts with Mr. Hurts. Let's go to the offensive side for the Buccaneers first. To me, the key matchup in this game, the Bucs offensive line against the Philly defensive line. They've mm-hmm. got to show that they can at least be even. They don't have to dominate, but they got to hold their own and be even with the Eagles defensive line because if you let that pass rush swallow up Baker Mayfield, that's when the bad throws come, the miscommunications, and then you got turnover potential. So if they can protect Baker Mayfield, like you said, there's going to be some opportunities on the back end. Avante Maddox is already out of this game. The, the corner – you know, the secondary, you got Darius Slay, who's a good player, but the secondary is the part of this team. And even maybe even matchups with the linebackers, Kate Otten on the linebackers, Rashad White on the linebackers, your slot receivers potentially on the linebackers. To me, that's where the Bucks can make some hay, but it's going to be dependent on that offensive line to, to at least play even with the defensive line for Philadelphia. And on the other side of the coin, you got uh, one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League in Philadelphia. They're going to pride themselves. They're going to try – to uh, keep the pressure off of Jalen Hurts. That's the matchup I'm looking at, that defensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can they continue to get after the quarterback, especially Hurts? Can they keep him in the pocket? Containment. Containment, yeah. And and do what you did to Justin Fields. Totally different quarterback. I definitely think Jalen Hurts is a lot better. But that's the matchup I'm looking at. If the Bucs can get after Hurts and cause some things to happen, 
I like the Bucks' chances to win this game and go three and zero at Raymond James Stadium on Monday Night Football. A key, a key matchup is going to be depending on the health status. If Carlton Davis can play, that's great. But if he doesn't play, you got you got Zion McCollum, you got Christian Izian, which we he, we we like them, but they're young, and you're going up against elite wide receivers. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, you got Goddard at tight end, who's really good. But I mean. If Carlton Davis can play and you got Davis and Dean along with Ryan Neal and, and Winfield, you like your chances with Izzy and the nickel as opposed to having to play Zion McCollum the whole game out there. He did okay, did fine, but you'd much rather have your number one corner and one and two corners in Dean and, and Carlton Davis. Yeah, that's the matchup I'm watching out for. If Carlton Davis can play, I mean, look out. Carlton Davis versus A.J. Brown, Jamel Dean versus Devontae Smith. I definitely think that matches up favorably with the Bucks, if Carlton Davis is not in this game and I have some major questions uh about this secondary going forward and can and can this offensive line create some running lanes for Rashad White again you don't have to run for a ton of yards but you have to be able to stay on schedule here in the, in the running game on that against that defensive line and again you know you got some beef over there for Philadelphia you mentioned Carter and Jordan Davis or beef in the middle you got Barnett on the outside you got Brandon Graham you got Fletcher Cox a ton of depth on that Philadelphia defensive line. Heat's not going to be an issue here on a Monday night, so it's not going to be nearly as, as advantageous for the Bucs from a weather perspective. But again, I think this offensive line has a chance to make a statement in the National Football League that we're, we're, we are a team to be reckoned with if this offensive line can hold their own. And Baker Mayfield, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't force the ball. Check it down. If you got a punt, we punt. The defense has shown they can hold up. Punt the ball away. Every possession ends in a kick, field goal, punt, or kickoff, but don't force the ball into traffic if you're Baker Mayfield. Agree. Don't turn over the ball, run the ball, get into those manageable situations where it's third and three, third and four, third and seven. After that, then you know the defense starts to want to go come after you, and that's when those turnovers happen. And the Bucs have done a good job when it comes to third down. And also give credit to where credit is due, Dave Canales and the play calling. Yep. I think it's been exceptional. Again, we talk about the red zone. You get in the red zone, you got to take advantage of it. You can't settle for field goals. And you can't have any special teams breakdowns. No block field goals, no long returns. Again, the, the coverage units have been excellent so far with on the punt team and the kickoff team. And again, um, just do what you do. Don't be surprised. I, I will not be shocked that this is a game the Bucks pull out a trick or two out of the bag because <laughs> national TV, Dave Canales, Seattle's used to play, you know, Dave is used to seeing this Philadelphia team with his days in Seattle. So again, Bowles knows this Eagles team very well as well. So again, would we we played them what two years ago? Was it last? Obviously, we played them in the playoff game, and then we played them that same year. We played them on a, what is it a third? Wasn't it a Thursday night game? Thursday we played night. them. Yeah, Thursday night game. Yeah, and that was a close. It was a closer game than the playoff one that was at Raymond James Stadium. So definitely lots of history there. And then of course, Rondé Barber at halftime. Special tribute to him being a Hall of Famer. Uh, how special is Barber? Of course, uh, we're, we're recording this broadcast. It is Rondé Barber Day. Um, so uh, it's good stuff and uh, good memories there. And we'll see if the Bucks can make some new memories on Monday night. You got your media credential? We'll see. Oh, we'll wait. See. Okay, I, still it, waiting. It's, it's still waiting. We'll, we'll see how that works out. You know, it is, it's never... It'd be a great thing to go out there. If not, then, you know, we'll be at the patio there doing it and doing the post-game show and talking to all the Rowdy fans, hopefully the uh, Bucks fans that are happy after a win over the Eagles on Monday night football, baby. Okay, give me a score prediction. You give me one first. I'm going 24-20 Buccaneers. I'm going 23-20 Bucks. 
The Bucks are about a five and a half, six point underdog. So again, if you if you if you like to if you like to invest a little bit, it's not a bad number. Nice to get a touchdown at home if you're a if you're a, for a two and O team. And again, the Bucks are laying low in the weeds. You're not hearing a lot of talk about the Bucks nationally. Everybody thinks, well, this is just a fluke. This is that. Let me tell you something. I saw I was watching a little documentary now on the '92 Dallas Cowboys, who a lot of people think. And again, I'm not putting the Bucks in this category at all. But the one thing they were that year, they were the youngest team in the National Football League. The 92 Cowboys, who a lot of people think one of the best teams of all time, was the youngest team, and we are getting massive production out of the youngsters. Trey Palmer, Izian, McCollum, Cody Mock, Gettick. I mean, a lot of young guys are contributing to uh, to, to the success. So it can be done, guys. It's, uh, you don't have to have all veterans. And here's the other part you notice. Just the team speed is so much better than it's been the last several years. Oh. You're not even though if the technique's not as good, the ability to recover and make the tackle, like we saw the tackle, uh, Antoine Winfield. I mean, the, run the. I mean, just the speed on the team is so much improved that just makes life a lot easier for the play calling. And again, yeah, you love Tom Brady because he's the greatest of all time. But the mobility of Baker Mayfield yeah. is making things happen, and and that's refreshing for this offense. No doubt, no doubt. All right, so 24-20 for me, 23-20 for, for uh, Peter Blake. Monday Night Football, folks, have a great week. Remember, buckpower.com. We're part of the buckpower.com podcast network. Check it out. All the great all the great doings for Buck fans. If you want to listen to the Buccaneers broadcast, if you want to listen on the Buccaneers app, you can listen to Gene, Dave, and TJ on the app. Or if you're in the Tampa Bay area or in the state of Florida, find your Buck affiliate here in the Tampa Bay area. It's 98 Rock. But I'm sure in other other locales in the, in the in the surrounding areas, different channels. So find your local listing, BuccaneerApp.com. You can go to definitely go to the Buccaneer app to listen to the game on live. You can also potentially listen to it on Sirius XM Monday night. It'll be on the national broadcast. I think Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner are typically the Monday night crew, which they're all they're they're all they're good. Harlan's great. If you if you know if you Kevin Harlan's awesome Easy on football. Rider. That's right. <laughs> yes, he is awesome. So Let's pack out Raymond James Stadium, Buck fans. There'll be a lot of Eagle fans in the building too, but let's let's make it a place that the Eagles are going to get sent back to Philadelphia, two and one. Tell Ron Jaworski to get the smile off his face. We're going to put a <laughs> frown on his face for Ron Jaworski and company. Peter Blake, what a start to the regular season. Continued success on your end. Tell everybody where they can find all your great info. Yeah, I mean, the J.P. Peterson show uh, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon as I'm the co-host there of that great show. And then, of course, Monday and Wednesday nights on the Sports Web. And then definitely tune in to the Sports Web in collaboration with the J.P. Peterson show post-game edition after every Bucks win or loss. We'll be there to take your phone calls on the field or right here in the Holiday Studios. And I'll promise this. I'll, 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 even, I'll even phone in post-game Monday night. You better get me on the air. All right, I got you, man. You better come on the show too. We miss you on there. Well, get me on. Invite me. I've invited you the time. No, one I'm time you invited me that I couldn't do it. Every other oh, time yeah. you invite me, I do it. Yeah, Anytime you, you need me. I couldn't invite you. I had Ron Jaworski on tonight, but I shouldn't have invited you tonight. That's okay. We'll, we'll I, I'll, I'll I'll secede my time to Ron Jaworski, man. No problem <laughs> doing that. And when your boy and when your boy JP goes on vacation, it better be the JP and Peter. It better be the J, the the other JP and Peter show yes. on the JP Peterson show. As Drew, the great Drew Felio said, the uh, the the JP Junior. 
Jason Powers right there, there my are. tag team partner of the world. Absolutely, my friend. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area in Orlando, check out Spectrum Bay Spectrum Sports Thursday night. This is this will be out tomorrow on Thursday. It's a Thursday night. I'm with Roy Cummings. I'm Spectrum Sports 360. We're talking Buccaneers. Great start. So Roy Cummings and I on Spectrum Sports 360 in our little face-off section. So check it out. Powers on Sports Podcast for me. No quarter given podcast, obviously, which is this podcast. And the Florida Football Insiders, where we talk all things Florida college football in the state of Florida. And we have a huge showdown this week with Florida State Clemson. The mm. Gators with a big win over the weekend. We got a lot. The, the state teams are starting to revive themselves with Miami, South Florida playing better, UCF in the Big 12. So we got some activity in the state of Florida college football-wise. Ready, man. I'm ready for Florida State to be Clemson. Let's go. All right, here we go, Buck fans. See you next time. No quarter given podcast. Peter Blake, let's get to 3-0, and and let's go Bucks! Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com podcast network.